this edition of Hoopsology. Justin welcomes the author of Hoop Muses, an insider's guide to pop culture and the women's game, Kate Fagan. Fagan goes into detail regarding the creative process of creating a book and why basketball fans should pay attention and know more about the women's game. This is a great chat, especially since the WNBA season is kicking off right about now, just to get the history and the sense of why these figures with women's basketball are so important to the culture of basketball. You don't want to miss this chat. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Kate Fagan. She is the author of Hoops Muses, an insider's guide to pop culture and the women's game, which is available now as the recording of this podcast. We welcome Kate Fagan onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Kate? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show, and thanks for making this book. Um, just going through it, it is a... I might be, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating. I, I think it's a masterpiece. I've never seen anything like it in any other forms Aww. of media. Just being a huge basketball fan, I think it's a must for any Hoops fan to check out. So that's kind of a basic question. What was the motivation of this book? Because it's unlike any other like form of media covering the game as a whole. So what was the motivation behind it? There, I mean, I think... The long-term motivation was like I had grown up playing the game. I played in college and I covered it at ESPN. And I felt like there was a disconnect between what my experience was as an athlete on a team playing basketball and often how I had to jump in on ESPN and mostly like play the angry, upset person when women were slighted or somebody had said something about the women's game. And I felt like I could never really convey how joyful and colorful and vibrant like playing hoops is and my experience as a as an athlete and I thought all right you know it's hard to get people to care about it's hard to just say you should care about this so I was like you know I'm going to stop worrying about that as much I still worry about it and I'm just going to make something that reflects with that leads with joy and vibrancy and color and love and so we just wanted to put a, a book together that felt like a piece of art that felt like it elevated the women's game past the, you know, getting stuck in the muck of, of how people sometimes talk about it. So what was the creative process like? Because just going through the book, I'm like, man, there are just some really just um, interesting and insightful ideas that, that are very original. So what was the creative process in terms of just getting your vision out there? What were some things that didn't make the book that originally you mm -hmm. wanted in there that you end up cutting as well? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the book is filled with the illustrations of Sophia Chang. She's the main illustrator, but we also had um, Louis Chen did some reimagined movie posters at the end. We had comic book art from an artist named Alana Bod. Um, Arizona O'Neill did some kind of illustrations of the top 25 players in WNBA history. And, you know, some of the stuff we did in the book was like, we start the book in the future with a future basketball star named Jacqueline Jones, who doesn't know who Maya Moore is. So she has to go back on a journey. And she, you're sort of going through the history of the game with Jacqueline Jones, this player from the future. And she's reacting to some of the history as she learns about it. And so we wanted, I just wanted to do something that like it threw convention out the window and anything that I thought was cool, I wanted to try and put in the book. But as you kind of mentioned at the end of that question, I couldn't do it all. 
Um, and you know, at one point you have to send the book to the printer. So, you know, there's something, there's obviously like, I wish I could have a chapter on Brittany Griner being released from Russia. Sure. I wish I could have the, the origin of the super teams with the Liberty and the aces and everything that has happened this summer. But some of the fun stuff, like we, we did a lot of, of pop culture, uh, in the book. And one thing I wanted to do, but we couldn't execute on was, you know how, like when an athlete walks from the team bus to the locker room, it's like a big mm -hmm. deal now. Yeah. It's like the, it's basically a fashion show. <laughs> I wanted to do, I wanted to do a, like a fashion show throughout the ages. So I wanted to have like illustrations of, let's say Cheryl Miller in eight, uh, 1983 in LA. And like, what, she, which, what would she have been wearing in 83 in LA? You know, it probably would have been like, some bell bottoms um, and, and like, and have that, and even go back in time to like the 1930s and have some like his, history like that intertwined with pop culture. But, you know, we couldn't do everything, but we try to do a lot of those fun conceits too. So it, it one part of the book that what really caught my eye was this, the NBA jam section session. Oh, and yeah. I was wondering how did she come up with the ratings for each player? And do you think mm. when the players check that out, do you think there'll be a little bit of just where you'll get, are you expecting feedback by the ratings in terms of each category, oh. similar to what we see in NBA 2K and other video games, you think? I mean, you know, <laughs> look, you do the best you can on that. Who know? I, I I guess I welcome it. Although I'd also, you know, Simone Augustus curated the book, so you know she she had a a role in 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 certain parts of it. I welcome the feedback. I might have messed up on certain parts of it, um, but I guess that just means like if Sue Bird's coming at me because she thinks her defense rating is too low, then I will just be heartened that Sue Bird read the book. That's my <laughs> position on it. <laughs> So just looking throughout the, the history of women's basketball, I find it really interesting that I don't know if this is the case in the men's game, but I, I noticed that the the point of mentorship among just athletes is, is really strong within the women's game. Just looking through your book and just through the seeing important figures like Pat Summit, or even just myself growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, women's basketball is huge there with the Lobos, the Lady Lobos. Um, how important is that throughout the book in terms of, you know, the participants of this game that we love, not only just playing it to its fullest, but also just learning life lessons, just that will carry just a player throughout their entire course of, you know, their existence. How important was that just through writing the book and just that mentorship just between coach and player just throughout your research that you conducted? Well, just in general, throughout the book, a lot of the whole point of the book is, is linking one generation to the next in a way that, I think very naturally happens on the men's side. You know, like one thing that, you know, I could probably have done this before reporting Hoop Muses, but I can link James Naismith to LeBron James in five people, you know? Yeah. All right. We could probably, you could probably do it. James Naismith to Fog Allen to Dean yeah. Smith to Michael Jordan to LeBron James. And so there's this like very well understood lineage. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's engaging in mentorship on, on the men's side, right? They may be, sure. but. On the women's side, like when you're when you're playing a game that is often obscured from history or from or not allowed into the mainstream, you have to have different motivations for why you're doing it than why like players play on the men's side. I mean, there's very clear 
motivations on the men's side. I mean, you're going to have extreme wealth and fame and if you reach the very top of it. And throughout the history of the women's game, the value in playing was just simply, you know, kinship, community, personal growth. And I think it's important to remember that that is the history of the women's game up until we see the money come into the game. And, you know, there's upside with money coming into the game and there's downside with, with money, big money coming into the game and, and even more money that we see coming into the game. You know, it's what you hope for and you want because it's the model we have that means success is happening. But the, the love of the game is what fueled women's basketball throughout history. And I know it fueled men's basketball, too. I just mean there weren't the same incentives along the way. Yeah. Now, that's exactly true. I, I completely agree with that. What shot you about making this book this when it's through the, the beginning of the origin to now it's fully out. Has there anything that really surprised you that turned out that you were like, man, I didn't, <laughs> didn't realize I would learn this through this year uh, creation of the book. Yeah. There was a lot of like small details that make a lot of sense now, but kind of shocked me in the beginning. Um, like one is when I'm from New York uh, and, and one of those details is like New York state was the last state in the United States to start a girls state basketball tournament. And I I would not have thought New York state would be the last day. Right. I probably would have said like Alabama, right. Or like, whatever. I'm not trying to like shame Alabama. I'm just saying I would have, but, um, and that was really cool in learning the history of it is like how you mentioned, you know, New Mexico is how kind of backwards my thinking had been on this game is that it was a lot of small Southern Midwestern places that, really embraced girls basketball in, in times and decades where you'd be shocked. You know, I mean, there's a reason Caitlin Clark is playing to sold out arenas right now in Iowa. And you can trace that back to 1925 when they tried to cancel girls basketball in Iowa and a couple men stood up and were based, actually said out loud, like you're making a mistake and we're going to prove you wrong, started their own state tournaments. And those things have been hugely popular in the 1920s, 30s, up and through to today. And it creates this kind of history that really links the communities of Iowa together. So it was like all of those little tidbits that really showed you like geography and the way cultures played out in small towns. And it was just really enriching to learn about some of this history that I had no idea about, even though I'm somebody who you know had, had played the game all the way through college. No, I, I felt the same way from reading the book. And you mentioned earlier, at, I think it's towards the end, you have this notable basketball movies and you recast them with this notable women's basketball figures. What was that creative process like? I just thought that was so cool. Just in through this, yeah. the movies you selected, were there any movies that didn't make the cut or just stars that you were thought, hey, this could have fit, but just how was that creative process like through that part? Because I thought that was pretty neat what you did there. Yeah, that was like one of the original ideas when a couple of years ago when we were first pitching the book, I really wanted to reimagine what if what if Hollywood had respected women's basketball the same way it had respected men's? Because it it's not an over, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say that like Hollywood does a lot of work making movies and like taking certain stories and creating mythology out of them, whether it's I mean, just recently, we probably most of us watched Adam McKay's. Uh, HBO show about the Lakers in in Showtime era like that does a lot of work to you know embed those things in the culture and so movies like 
he got game or even the space jams or blue chips. We did, we had Louis Chin, who's uh, an, an awesome artist. He kind of reimagined some of those movies. Like here's, you know, here's, she got game. Yeah. So we take <laughs> Shamiqua. So it's like, you know, when Ray Allen was the star of that, it's like, what if Spike Lee did a similar movie, but he cast Shamiqua Holdsclaw, who was kind of of that same era. Um, and then we did blue chips with, um, Cynthia Cooper and Lisa mm -hmm. Leslie at, at USC. And so the idea of those is like, look at what, it doesn't matter gender. It's like when some, when someone, when Hollywood or art is invested in making something beautiful about something, it, it raises the cultural value of, of that thing. And that has often been missing um, in, in the way that we treat women's sports. No, a hundred percent agree. And uh, to that point, I also think that the women's game has also been pretty innovative and other sports kind of following their lead. What do you think in terms of women's basketball, do you think they are going to latch on to next? Cause I'm just thinking like social media, just sim simply like the schedules coming out when like the WNBA, each individual team, now everybody's doing it or just, you know, if you want to, tackle just the social justice front you know the WNBA was first in doing that and now it's just like every other league is now latching on to that do you see any other trends in which you'll see the women's game kind of latch on to that other leagues will follow their lead in, in the future well, what comes to mind for me as you're as you're kind of asking that is I think the moment the WNBA is in right now because you know a lot of the really in-depth data will show you that people who love the WNBA and, and certain other women's sports are really pa passionate enough that they clear hurdles to find their information and their games. And they are more likely to buy products and not like hoop muses, but like gear and stuff. Although we hope they buy hoop muses. Um, but like the, the, the fan base has galvanized because women's sports has finally like what women's sports is and who their core audience is, is now aligned. Like historically, Often it was like, even though there were, there were a lot of like older women or LGBT fan bases or older folks who loved women's basketball, women's basketball was like chasing some other demographic, you know, but that wasn't the women themselves. That might've been the WNBA hierarchy saying that. And we we're in this moment in time now where the core audience and the athletes themselves, they're in like, they're in like a great relationship. It's like the, the women's sports right now is like when you've discovered a band and they're not yet huge and they're not playing arenas yet and you're getting to see them and interact with them in the cool theater, like in the Bowery, right, in New York. Like that's where women's sports is right now is everyone knows it's amazing who's around it and goes to a game. And yet you also know that like there's growth on the horizon because of how cool it is right now. No, completely agree. And I want to get your take on this because just following women's hoops and we've had a lot of women's journalists. Um, I'm also a fan of just, um, I guess other sports that, you know, don't get a lot of attention and that comes to combat sports. And we're seeing a recent rise in terms of boxing and MMA in terms of women getting the spotlighting, particularly within mixed martial arts. Um, Holly Holm is from the Albuquerque. So I followed her boxing career extensively through her transition to MMA and just comparing her rise and her attention. That was instant. Just that fight was treated as like a fight. Like it was just, that was the attraction she won. And that is, with women's basketball, I just sometimes get frustrated in terms of just waiting for just 
the attention to happen or just waiting for just the, the leaders where I think of just the WNBA commissioner to really just push the positive aspects of the league as opposed to just focusing on what we typically see in the headlines. I'm um, just focusing on the great athletes that we see in a WNBA on a regular basis. So I guess my question is to you is when will the, I guess, we see WNBA promoted on just whether it's just the morning talk shows or just ESPN itself, the talent will stick out to itself and not just the other storylines, which are important. But I think to me as a viewer and as a supporter of this women's sports, I just want to focus on the athleticism and the talent that yeah. that's being portrayed and not necessarily just going to the same old debates that we see all the time. Yeah. Well, I think the, the WNBA right now, the way I kind of envision it is like, you know, you, you got to have as wide of a funnel as possible to get yeah. fans in the door. And sometimes sure. the, the first step into becoming a WNBA fan is not an in-depth discussion about, you know, you know, the opposing power forwards on a team because it kind of alienates new fans of the W. And because of the length, you know, the history being shorter than what we know in other sports and, and because of a, the lineage being interrupted at certain points, the W has, I think, has to take, has to be slower to get to where you want to get to because you have to realize that like every year there are new fans and they, and sometimes the storylines have to be broader, right? Like they have to be like, look, there's a super team in New York, right? And we're not going to get into their, you know, their X's and O's. We're just going to kind of give you the broad strokes. And I think that's kind of where the W is right now in terms of getting new people in the door. But I mean, I, I'm with you in that. I would, I would love if we, if, if we look five, 10 years in the future, we don't need to do that as much anymore. And we don't have to like kind of spoon feed certain storylines. They're just, there's more just passive knowledge of the W. Like I, I know 20 people in the NBA and I, I could not even turn on an NBA game and I could name you 20 players in the NBA because I just would have heard their names in passing. And that, that's the goal in the long run is that you just know a whole lot about the WNBA, even if you don't have to seek out information. And I think once you get to that point, then we can get farther into kind of what you're talking about. No, uh, good point. Um, last question for those just picking up the book, what is, and it can be multiple aspects, but what's kind of the biggest impression do you want that reader to have when they're finished just checking out the book? I know there's a lot, it's very expansive, but if yeah. there's one key theme, what is, what's, what's the theme that you want the reader to just have imprinted on their mind when the book is finished? Well, I, you know, I, I want the book first and foremost, just to like strike them as something as like a piece of art, you know, it, unlike I've written other books and they're, you know, just text, they're not illustrated and those are obviously books you would pick up and you would read front to back. This is not necessarily like that. You know, I, so I, I don't, I don't expect like somebody to sit down and like read the whole thing. Although if people do that, that's great. But the biggest, the biggest takeaway I hope is just like a really kind of deeper understanding of, of the way storytelling and mythology works in sports and how women's basketball has had some of these like beautiful stories and beautiful like uh, moments. And they often just have not been recorded by history in the same way that they are on the men's side. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the, the team or the moment was any more or less interesting than say like shoeless Joe Jackson and the Chicago White Sox, right? Like, which happened at this point, I don't know if my math is right, like nearly 90 years ago. And yet that's a name that a lot of us still know there are stories like that on the women's side, but we just haven't done the work to 
tell stories after that to like remember those and to pass them along to people. And so I just kind of want, I just want Hoop Muses to be this, this, this singular book where like you feel like it's this fun, joyful place to, to go fill in some of the gaps that history has left out about, about the way this game has, has taken root in the U S. Kate, this has been a fantastic chat. Um, please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find yourself on social media, where they can find a book and any other projects you're working on as well. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at Kate Fagan three, same as Twitter at Kate Fagan three. I mean the book, if you can grab the book, if you've got a local bookstore, you love, get it there. If you like one click shopping, get it on Amazon. If that's where you got to get it. Um, I don't, I, I do a podcast called off the looking glass. Cool. Um, and we do like, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun magazine style show about women's sports and we do sketches and we do comedy and we do produced kind of archival pieces. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for, for women's sports storytelling. So that's kind of what I work on, on the day to day. That's awesome. Please check out hoop muses everywhere. Now an excellent book. If you're a hoops fan, this is a must in your collection. Kate, thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hoopsology podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best, as you know, in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Hoopsology at Manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all man is a game changer. A huge shout out goes to Manscaped for hooking Matt and I up with the Performance Package. Inside this package, you'll find a lot of useful items. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer that you've probably heard of before. You'll also find their new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. You'll find crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner. Don't sleep on those products, gentlemen. Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. And for my bearded brethren, and I know there are a lot of you out there, be sure to check out the new Beard Hedger, which is a tool that makes managing your beard so much easier. 20 different instantly adjustable length options, no more messing with multiple clips with your trimmer. It's a really slick and ingenious product. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hoopsology. That's H-O-O-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Hoopsology. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We thank Manscaped for supporting the show.